Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Listener Production. Hey, I'm Pro Surfer and mental health advocate Cooper Chapman, and this is Good Humans. In this episode, I'm in Hawaii at the home of one of the world's best surf training coaches, Kid Poligro. Kid is a black belt, teacher, and respected author in the martial art of Jiu Jitsu. At his dojo, Kid teaches a special technique called Gymnastic Naturala that uses the art of body movement and breathing control to manage stressful situations that can help anyone, not just surfers. Kid Poligro, thanks for having me in your beautiful house here in Hawaii and giving me the time of day to have a bit of a chat with you. How, how's your day been going, Kid? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm humbled for an introduction. Uh, my day is going great. Um, Beautiful day in Hawaii. Uh, every day is a good day if you have the right mindset. I love you said that. That's a perfect thing to open up with because that's something we're going to talk about a little bit in this podcast. I mean, I've worked with you at Sunset Beach Jiu-Jitsu doing gymnastic natural. It's a, I guess you'd call it a movement pattern. I mean, can you explain gymnastic natural a little bit to the listener? Yes. Uh, gymnastica natural is a an exercise fitness mo- movement that uh, started with a friend of mine called Alvaro Romano from Brazil. And he started it based on animal movements. And then in time, he developed his own style. And then I learned from him. But basically, it w- would be like yoga with movement and, and heavy influence on uh, breathing. Breathing is super important in ginástica natural. So it's just like dynamic movements and then over the years, because I've worked with a lot of the top surfers, I've adopted, adopted the Ginashka towards surfing. And it started off when I was learning from Alvaro that uh, I wanted to get better myself. So I would use some of his stuff and then some of the stuff I learned from other masters, like my um, Jiu-Jitsu master, two of them, uh, Hicks and Gracie and Hoyler Gracie, they both did a lot of physical conditioning and I learned from them and then I learned from other people. And then I would incorporate some of their stuff to help me in my surfing. And then the problem was, or the, the situation got that uh, I can't surf like you guys. So then I come, I start training uh, first with Sonny Garcia, then Fred Patacha. And they would just kind of go, okay, I don't like this. Or I like, let's try this. I really like this. So it has evolved constantly. And to this day, I have an open mind, even training you guys from surfing Australia. Uh, I learned things from you guys. So uh, there was a lot of uh, progress. But Ginashkanatra was just movement and breathing. And, you know, you can use it for anything, basically. It's exciting every time coming in there. We basically just do, there's no weights, there's no nothing hard. Not so much not hard, it's more about having dexterity in your body and knowing how your body moves. And like you said, having those animal movements and I guess getting back to the instinctual way that we move as humans that we, I guess, have taught ourselves not to move in a natural way. So, yeah, so, so we're in Hawaii. 
I want to get to know you a little bit more because we've been good friends, but kind of just in a gym context. So when did you move to Hawaii and, and what made you move over here? Okay, the first time I came to Hawaii was 1975. And it was obviously for surfing. And we stayed here. I stayed here six months and I went back to San Diego. I was living in, I'm originally from Brazil, but I moved to California for surfing and university. And then, but the first time I came, I came directly to Hawaii, stayed six months, went back, took a year of school, came back in the winter break, and then came back one more time. And I spent a lot of years uh, not here. I went several years to Tavarua for surfing. And then I started uh, going to the United Arab Emirates to teach uh, Sheik that we became friends. And I taught him jiu-jitsu. And I went there, I don't, I don't remember, but 15 times, you know, so, and then one year, and I was, I, because of him, I started writing the books because he, he wanted to do a, a book about jiu-jitsu. So he hired me to do a book and I, I was already pretty well known for uh, writing about jiu-jitsu. They had uh, a website. It was the premier website in jiu-jitsu. There weren't many, you know? So I was the, guy, the writer and then I wrote for magazines. And then one time my master, Hoyler Gracie, was gonna fight in Hawaii and the event wanted to bring me here to cover the event, you know? So I came and I reconnected with a lot of my friends like Eddie, Eddie Rothman and uh, Kaibor Garcia. And it just was so welcoming. And this was like 19 years ago, something like that. And I go, I came back home and I told my wife, I said, hey, we gotta go back. So we came back and then we kept coming back. And uh, when you were respectful and you kind of, know the right people. Actually, if, you, if you're just respectful, Hawaii is a good place. If you're disrespectful and brash, it just, you run into trouble. But the people here are so nice. So then we decided, you know, this is where we want to live. I love how you touched on when you come to Hawaii, if you respect the people, you respect the culture. Surfing, I guess, has a culture of being a sport where you're in the ocean and every wave's different. But when one really good wave comes in, if somebody gets in your way, or somebody takes your wave, it turns into, there's always tussles and Hawaii is really well known for it that the locals hold down because it is their place. You have to respect them. You have to respect their culture. And obviously a few of the guys you mentioned, Eddie Rothman and Kaibor Garcia are probably two of the heaviest guys here. And talk to me a little bit about how growing up the respect side of jujitsu has shaped who you are. Well, I didn't do jujitsu until like 28 years ago, but being small, if anybody wanted to pick a fight, you know, they, they, they look at everybody, oh, look at that little guy, let's go with him. So I got into a lot of situations, you know, and then when I started learning jiu-jitsu, at first I really enjoyed because the situations would come and I knew how to handle myself. But then in time, you, you kind of turn the corner, you know that you're capable of doing certain things and you don't have to anymore. You just go, okay, okay, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. And jiu-jitsu in Hawaii and and went pretty big because one of the Gracies, Helson Gracie moved here and he introduced Jiu-Jitsu here. And uh, so the the people here, they're, they're well into fighting. They love fighting. Uh, and so they love Jiu-Jitsu. And then with the status that he got and Jiu-Jitsu got in Hawaii, it, it opened a lot of doors. And to this date, even though I'm like the Jinashka guy and the training for surfer guys, people still know me as a Jiu-Jitsu instructor, the black belt, the, you know. And, and also when you train something like that, that you have a certain power or ability, you kind of 
understand that you got to transform that into respect. Otherwise, you ruin the art. I respect jujitsu so much that if I'm just a brash guy, you know, it's not my, my makeup anyways, but if I just go around intimidating people or giving people a hard time or beating them up, uh, it just gives jujitsu a bad, a bad rap, you know? So I try to like be positive, friendly. I'm actually, some of my friends that are surfing me said, you're too friendly to everybody. You gotta be a little nastier. Yeah, I like the idea of like gathering the knowledge to the point where you don't actually need to use it. And I know in Sunset Beach Jiu-Jitsu, there's a sign that says, if I can't really recall it perfectly, but it says, if you, if you only have to hurt, only hurt. If you have to break something, break something, but only do the very minimum you have to to make sure that you're in control. I really like that. I think it's so important in our lives to be in control of situations and not be the enforcer, but be the person that controls the situation and disarms the situation. So I know with your training, there's always little lessons that you teach us and it's really cool. I think metaphors are such a important thing in life and I'll let you tell the metaphor because it's really cool, your tiger metaphor. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I I love my tiger metaphor and uh, what happens is that the tiger wakes up every day hungry and he has to hunt to survive. And the deer wakes up every day and needs to survive as well. So the tiger wakes up and then sees a deer in the, the field and starts running full speed and the deer sees a tiger and they're both running for their lives, you know, one to survive, one to survive. And the tiger's getting really close to the deer and the deer does a sharp cut to the right and the tiger slips on the mud and misses the opportunity. So the tiger doesn't go, oh, the judges underscore me. Oh, my fin wasn't right. Oh, my board was a little too thick. No, 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 no. The tiger goes home hungrier. Goes home, sharpens his claws a little more. And the next day he comes back to the hunt. If he misses again, no excuses. He goes back and he's hungrier every time. And when you take upon yourself to take the responsibility for what's happening to you and you don't blame other people, that's when you really start taking taking over your life and you're controlling your life. So the tiger every morning, my friend, is just sharpening the claws, sharpening his teeth, you know, just ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that's something that I've worked on tirelessly the last, I guess, oh, couple of years, but most importantly since I've started on this journey of, I guess, building mental resilience and sharing my story and other people's stories of mental resilience is taking it upon yourself there is so many things that we can complain about and use as excuses and we make excuses about the judges and we make excuses about the fins. That's relating to surfing, but it relates to anything. Any excuse, even if it was an external factor that made it not, I guess, make the outcome not be the way that you wanted it, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's already happened. Get back to work, go and do it again. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, the, op- the opportunity for growth on working on weaknesses rather than strengths? Yeah, I, I, when I was in the Emirates, they bring a lot of the top people to train there, to train their, them. So one of the guys was a uh, world champion uh, wrestler. And I always pick people's brains and I ask them, you know, if you have limited time to train, do you train your strengths or do you train your weaknesses? And he goes, if you train your strengths, it's going to take 100% effort to get 5% gain and it might not make any difference. You train your weakness... 10% effort will give you 50% return because people like to do the same things they are good at 
and they don't like to work on weaknesses. So for instance, if you if you lift weights, you like to do chest, you got a big chest, but you have really thin calves, you know, because you feel proud because it, but it's working on your weaknesses that gives you the most return, you know? And for surfers, you know, like some people love to do airs or, and everything, and that's all they do. And then they go to a heavy wave with tubes and they don't do well. So, but you just, a greater return for working on your weaknesses. It's harder work in, in, in theory because you, it's something you're not comfortable with, but a lot of uh, growth comes from not being comfortable. And you know, one of the things about jujitsu that jujitsu puts you in really uncomfortable positions because you're training with somebody that has a lot of the same skills and have, you know, eyesights and tactical senses and everything, but you're going against the uh, greatest uh, fighting machine that's ever been built, which is another human. So even though you have an idea what you want to do, they have different ideas. So sometimes they put you in really difficult situations, but it's all uh, fake because you can just go, okay, okay, stop, stop, and we start. But the brain doesn't differentiate that. So when you learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and figure out how to come out of uncomfortable situations, to remain calm and see things and, okay, this is the escape. This is my option out. The opportunity to grow by working on your weaknesses is something really cool. And after you said that, I, I said to you, it was a bit of a joking comment. I was like, for me, a pro surfer from Australia, we don't have, I guess, big and heavy waves. Well, we do, but not quite as frequent and as intense as what you'd call the waves along here on the North Shore of Hawaii. And the wave pipeline and backdoors scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's something that I needed to work on. And after you said that to me, I was like, I'm going to go surf pipeline this afternoon and tomorrow and I'm going to work on it because the swell was up. And the next morning I got the best wave I've ever had out back door. And I was like, man, like being open and respecting the things that people tell you that are, I guess older and wiser than you because they know these things for a reason and it's not just bullshit that they're saying because they want to. People care about helping other people improve and it's really special to find mentors like that. I want to ask you this because I... I mean, I watch a lot of movies <laughs> and I watch a little bit of fighting and UFC and stuff, but I've always heard that no matter what, I guess, situation you get in in jiu-jitsu, is there always a way out of every situation? There is always a way out. Uh, there is always an escape because the defense is always more effective than the attack. The only thing is, so like you, you have in uh, war theories, you have like, if you're attacking a defensive position, you need five uh, soldiers for each one of the defense. So the defense is shorter and more effective. But the, the thing is, in jiu-jitsu and in life, it's like who makes the better decision faster? So there's always an escape, but if the attacker is ahead of you and he's got two or three moves ahead of you, you can get to a situation where you, you're too late and you don't think quickly enough to use the right escape. And that's some of the things that we do in Jinashka is I make you guys confused, but I make you guys think under fake duress, fake stress, because I make you guys go spin, down, jump, uh, and you get tired. And when I see you guys starting to lose it, I make I push a little bit because I want you to be able to, to see clearly and decide clearly under duress, you know? And, uh, and that's the difference, you know? It, there is always an escape in jiu-jitsu. There is always an escape. And the sooner you see that escape, you know, your house is on fire, 
and you know you have two windows and you have a door, but the flames are here, which door, which one you, you go? Uh, panic, 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 boom, you're burned. No, okay. One of the things that the Gracies do, I, this is an interesting story, is wherever they go, they always look for a way out. So if they go to a hotel, you know the little symbols escapes, they're always gonna go read that thing, guaranteed. That's the first thing they go is they go read that thing. They go to a restaurant, they sit, they look around, door, kitchen. Uh, they park the car, aim so that they can escape. They sit back, if possible, protected. So they're always prepared for an eventuality. And when you learn these things, it's just really something. You know, now I, I adopted some of that. I still don't look at the escape from the hotels, but that's the first thing they do. I've traveled with them a lot. Wow, that's not, thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. I mean, I guess that's just being present. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In every situation you're in, as soon as you start, I guess, living in the past or living in the future in your own head then you've already lost in those decisions aren't being as quick and as effective as they need to be to, I guess, react to the situation. It doesn't have to be in a fighting sense or a professional sports sense. It can literally be in your office when your boss comes to you and asks you for your next presentation. If you're not prepared and you haven't thought about as many situations as possible and that way when they come to you, you can be ready to... I guess, get the best outcome that you want so you can make the decision rather than letting external factors control, I guess, your destiny. Yeah, I have one, one other thing that I learned and I learned from uh, my wife's dad. And he said, always be prepared for the bitter, bitter end. So what he meant was, and sometimes these sayings, it takes a little while to understand. So I'm always in every situation that, that I'm faced with, I always look at what's the worst that could happen. This is the worst that could happen and I, and I have a solution. I figure out a solution for that. Okay, so the worst situation that can happen, I have a solution. So now let me go and focus on how to make the best situation happen. But I don't have doubts that if the worst happens, okay, I know how to, so you're not stressed because something can go wrong or some, oh my gosh, this is the worst, I'm not prepared for this. No, no. I have a solution for the worst. So now let me look for the best. Let me try to do things so that this doesn't happen. And when you have this mindset too, it helps you in life a lot. So you're always prepared, you know, if the worst, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, I, I'll survive, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, but, but I'm not looking for the worst. That's not in my plans. I'm gonna do everything possible not to get there. But I'm not scared if it comes because I'm not going to get caught with my pants down, basically. I guess the psychology behind it and stuff, we need to face our problems and we need to face them head on. It's a little bit like we talked about just before with your weaknesses. It's the biggest opportunity to grow. It's the same with when something bad happens. If we keep pushing it under the rug, it's just going to build up and get worse and worse. Is there anything you want to kind of add to that? Yeah, um, there's a couple of things. Usually for me, if I have something I dread doing, that's the first thing I'm going to do. 
because I don't want to be losing sleep over it. So if, for instance, I have to talk to somebody and tell them, you know, they're blowing it or, you know, or I have to call somebody and give them bad news or whatever, that's the first thing I want to do because I don't want that to fester and, and drive me crazy. The other thing is uh, one of the biggest sayings uh, Grandmaster uh, Carlos Gracie said is you never lose. You either win or you learn. So if you have that, also that mindset, you know, a lot of the biggest uh, lessons in life for me and for the people that I've, I've coached and talked to is when they lose, the, what they learn from the loss. It, it's easy to, it's not easy to win, but e- win brings that joy and the stuff, but sometimes you don't learn from it as much as you lose from, you learn from a loss. And when you get a loss and you dissect it, why this happened and what can I have, do to prevent this from happening? What can I do better, blah, blah, blah. If you're looking at it that way, you're gonna grow. If you just let it go, oh my gosh, that was the worst thing that could happen to me. Oh, you know, whatever, Uh, this is terrible, my life is, that doesn't do anything for you. So losses are not necessarily bad. Of course, nobody wants to just lose all the time, but you learn more from losses than you, you know, so you either win or you learn, you never lose. Yeah, it's really cool. It's something that my dad has drilled into me since I was a really small kid. He's always said to me, you need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And I didn't quite understand it. As a kid, he'd say it to me and I'd tell him to beat it like, oh, I've lost. And I think it's kind of, it comes to a maturity thing, but everything just keeps coming back to mindset and being responsible for your thoughts. And as soon as, yeah, having that mindset of having a loss is never really a loss as long as you learn something. And I mean, with surfing, we lose so much. I mean, I don't think I've won a comp in about five years. So I've probably competed in about 50 events over the last five years, maybe more, and I've probably won maybe one or two in there at a local level, not even at the massive level, which I'm trying to achieve at. But I've kind of adopted this mindset of enjoying the journey and enjoying the process. And as long as I'm growing as a person, then really there's – I see so many guys who win that are unhappy – and it's quite interesting because they win, they're un, not unhappy, but they're really unhappy when they lose because they almost expect to win. You know, I, I deal with a lot of surfers and there's a lot of losses involved and they get depressed and they this and they that. And you just can't be thinking of that. It's just here and now. You can plan for the future all you want, but you need to deal with it. So you go in a competition, jiu-jitsu, surfing, Ah, if I win four heats, I would be the champion. No, 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 no. It's right here and now. Uh, I used to do uh, fencing when I was like a teenager. And I, I was like 17 or 18, and I was the best guy going into a real estate championships. And I beat all the tough guys. And the f- rookie guy that was there, I, I let my guard down. I played with him, and I lost. And I lost the easiest championship I could have done. And I go, gosh, how stupid, you know? The next year, I took nobody for granted, and I prepared myself mentally to just this, this match, that match, this match. So if you just live in the present, it's easy. You know, and another thing that happens is, is like sometimes you're nervous or you're anxious because you're like, oh, this is such a big moment for me. If I win this tournament, if I win this heat, it's such a big moment for me. And then you get this anxiety and it builds up and you go out there and you can't even, you're paralyzed, you know? And one of the, the metaphors that I use is, is that fear is natural. The butterflies you get in your stomach is natural. These things are just natural. These are things telling you that you actually 
ready for this opportunity. But if you let it dominate you, it doesn't work. So what I compare, and this, these are things that are not so much me, but I learned over the years, you know, from different people, but um, it's the difference between being in a storm and getting rained on, oh man, there's rain all over me, I'm getting all wet, or being just in the same storm, but under a cover. And you say, oh my gosh, there's rain there. Oh yeah, hey rain, how are you doing? Storm, hey, it's okay. It's natural, this storm is good. So when you get that fear or that anxiety, it's, it's a friend. Oh yeah, fear. I know you, yeah. You're telling me I'm ready. Because if you're not ready for that competition, you don't get fear because you have no chance. You know, like for instance, if I go uh, chess match with uh, Kasparov or one of the masters, I know I'm gonna lose, so there's not the fear. But when you're a contender, that's when those things, when you're, there's a possibility. So the fear is telling, really telling you that you're ready for this. There's a good chance you can do it, but don't let the fear cramp you from, from achieving. You know, go out there and be yourself. You have a strategy, you know how to surf, you, but go out there and do what you do. You know, follow your strategy, but don't let the, oh, I need to do an air. Oh, I need to, I need a nine. Oh, I need, no, no, no. I'm just gonna go pick the right waves, do what I do. And the more you can transform that a mental set into now and here, this is what I do and I'm good at it. The more you're gonna be free to do what you do. Working with you, it's probably the most crucial part of gymnastic natural is breathing. Can you talk me through the breathing patterns and why it's so important? Yeah, um, first thing we do when we're born is breathe and last thing we do in life is last breath. Uh, breathing controls everything and a lot of the you know, we're born and we breathe right when we're born, but little by little, we, we start learning all the wrong patterns. And most of the time, people breathe with the upper chest, you know? And when you breathe on the upper chest, you're leaving, the lungs are big on, on your stomach. It just, you know, they're big on the lower part and they're narrow on the top part. So the upper chest, when you breathe there, you're leaving a lot of bad air on the bottom. But upper chest, heart, it's anxiety. And the gut is control. So you can decide if you're breathing right, you're either gonna, if you're breathing wrong, you're just gonna increase anxiety. And if you're breathing right, you're just gonna control anxiety. So basically, you know, you tell people, take a deep breath and they go, <gasps> and they fill up their chest, you know, and, they, and that's just anxiety. You know, when you have a fight with your friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, boss, you get that <laughs> anxiety, that sense in your heart, you know, like, <laughs> and that's just bad breathing. If you can learn to breathe through your stomach, through your diaphragm. So basically when we inhale, we wanna inhale on the bottom. So I usually put my hand on my navel and I tell my friends, you know, or my students go, uh, call your friend fat when you breathe in. So you blow it out your stomach, breathing in. And then when you're breathing out, exhaling, you push your stomach in. So you breathe in and breathe out. And mostly I wanna breathe in through my nose and and breathe out through my mouth. I mean, there are situations where you breathe differently, but your breathing can control your calmness or it can increase your awareness. So sometimes I tell that if you're in the heat and you're nervous, you breathe in and you breathe out really slow and you're gonna lower your heart rate. But if you're not fired up enough, you breathe fast <laughs> and you can get all alert like you're, um, like you're alert, you know? So your breathing controls everything in your life. 
So for instance, when you want to move fast, you got to breathe out. If you breathe in, you're slow. When you want to uh, power, you don't breathe. You just go, hold your breath and push. So you have like, you see like uh, boxers when they box and they go, because they want to breathe out. They have to breathe out. When you breathe out, two things happen. You, ex- you take away all this uh, uh, extra air that would just slow you down. The second thing is you connect your uh, core. Because when you breathe out, since we're breathing out, pushing the navel back, you connect your core so you don't use your back as much and you're, uh, you know, you're more efficient using your body. So you can transform uh, power from the feet through your core to the top. So a lot of times, if, you, if you're not connected here, that power kind of gets lost. It's like there's two parts of you with a missing link, you know? And when you have that breathing out, you link your bottom with, with your top and you have that ability. And you see like uh, karate guys go, kia, kia, kia. The kia is, is nothing but a, a way for them to breathe out and contract. If they would say hello, they couldn't do the same. You know, hello, it doesn't work. But it automatically means you're like contracting everything and contracting your stomach and your gut. So your diaphragm breathing makes that uh, happen. And when you have anxiety, for instance, or a situation where you're not happy, just think about it. You're just breathing here, you know, breathing up the top of the heart. When you start learning to control that, okay, down here. And that's one of the things I do, for instance, nowadays is I, when I have situations or whatever, I start breathing and counting my breaths. So I go 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, out. So if you want to be more effective in breathing out, breathe out through your mouth, making like a Of course, at first, you're not going to have that kind of a ability. You're going to be, but you practice that and you practice that enough off, off and on because, you know, if when the first time you do it, you kind of get lighthearted, lightheaded and you just go, oh my gosh, you know this. And then after a while, you, you yourself know, you go, okay, I'm really uh, stressed right now from this. And now I go, Shh. and it can be like, you have a fight with your boss or you're getting pounded by waves or you, you know, you're in traffic or whatever. And you learn to just, Learn to use that pattern to calm yourself down and to go, okay, this is this the way it is, you know? Yeah, it's such a, I guess, overlooked thing. And I think it's, for some reason, it's not taught in schools and everywhere. It's such, like you, we say, we learn breathing. We don't even really learn breathing. It's just a natural thing that we do. But something that I've used for years and I've been lucky enough to work with some really good breathing coaches which I'm not sure if you heard this before as well, the best breathers in the world are whales, yeah? They can hold their breath. When they come up from the water, they go... It's always about getting rid of that carbon dioxide. And I think one of the overlooked things that so many of us do is when we think we're out of breath, we try and breathe. (laughs) It doesn't work. So just having in your back of your mind when you do get to a situation where you're like, I'm out of breath, your body responds to certain situations by feeling constricted and restricted and like you said, controlling your own emotions by that tightness in your chest, we have the 
I guess, power to overcome these things through simple breathing. And so many people aren't aware of that. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure you've got a few more little things that you want to say. So give me your last couple little bits of wisdoms for the listeners. Okay, one of, one of the things that I, I, it was a really good thing, you know, it's like I had a stretch here that I was just like feeling just bummed every day. And, you know, and you go, I live in this beautiful place. I, ha- I love my wife. I have everything I want. Why am I feeling like this? And it was just kind of like, wake up and be in a bad mood, you know? And I couldn't pinpoint. Being happy is work. And you just got to work on being happy. It doesn't mean you have to struggle, to, to but you just got to decide, okay, I, I'm happy today. I'm happy. Everything is great. Even things are not great, it could be worse, you know? And it just, um, one time I remember I was like, a, a, where I served was a, surf, a college and there was all these beautiful young people, you know, young ladies and and I was kind of, again, feeling a little bummed, you know, and just like normal and stuff. And this dad is driving this young lady around and she's looking at one side of her face. She's just beautiful. And then she turns around and she had a big old burn scar on the side. And I was just going, oh my gosh, you know, she's 16, 17 and going through life facing this situation. And she was just big smile on her face, stoked for life. I go, Psh, you know, you just got to be happy for what you got. And just being happy is work, but just work on being happy and you're going to be happier. Thank you so much, kid. I really appreciate it. I know everyone listening would as well. Well, thank you very much. And uh, what I like to do in life is just help people, you know, so that's, this is going to help a few people, I hope. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.